You're listening to The Creative Production Lab. The Creative Production Lab is an audio podcast produced by the University of Nebraska at Omaha's Chris Library. The Creative Production Lab is aimed at the University of Nebraska at Omaha's students, staff, and faculty of our academic community. But all projects, hints, tips, and otherwise any information here is applicable to anyone interested in any creative activity or project we may be engaged in. For more information, go to library.unomaha.edu. Welcome back to part three of episode four. In part two, we talked a heck of a lot about stickers and getting prints done online. In this extended portion of part three, we get down and dirty on doing business and promoting yourself as a digital artist. But anyway, you mentioned business. I wonder if we should talk about marketing now. Uh, actually, yeah, hit it. If, you, if you're willing to spend the time on it and you all want to talk about some marketing stuff, so the one thing I want to close out on before we get into this, and this will probably be the thing I actually cut out, is I want you all to think of one big project recently that's kind of tested you between dealing with digital art and physical printing processes. Because so that way, that gives me an excuse to talk about the, 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 the painting that I showed you all. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way that isn't just me wanting to talk about all the uh, stupid digital hacks that I did to do it. Uh, just just a hip tip too. We are over an hour right now. That's that's okay. That means I can cut it into three episodes um, and l- be a little bit of a lazy butt next week. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Market. Us well, up. I think marketing we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on, just because one, it's not necessarily something that I am versed in. I'm learning how to market myself at the same rate that I am growing my business kind of thing. Um, But I think that once you have kind of, you have, you know, the items that you want to sell, you kind of had an idea on printing and you've, you've gotten yourself to the point where, yeah, you, you like, you like to have stuff on hand. You've got stickers, you've got inventory, stuff like that. The next thing that I think is really integral to making a, you know, successful either full-time business or even it's just a little side gig that you're doing for, for fun money to kind of have in your pocket or to help you make rent one month or something like that. Um, it is crucial to market yourself. And um, I'm just going to be really, I, honestly, I think Instagram has exploded in the last five years um, Mm -hmm. with how well you can actually tailor that to your business needs. I'm pretty sure they even have an online store through Instagram now, if I'm not mistaken, you can purchase through them. Uh, Yes, actually. So um, in my experience with like having used Square, um, I was able to sync my Square store with um, Facebook and Instagram. um, And so therefore I, have a store on my Instagram page. Um, Instagram, the app updated, the interface changed, everybody hated it. But for people who sell and create, it was awesome because now we have a whole little page where you can just scroll through that have recommended items for you. Um, but even better, it brings more traction to me, somebody who has my store or my sale, my catalogs of items in Instagram. So all my mm-hmm. images, all my products, all the prices, everything is listed right there. 
and it'll just take you click on it take you straight to my website we can buy the stuff yeah yeah i um i haven't put any of my stuff into the the instagram story yet i haven't really gone through and set that up quite yet but um i have noticed that uh using Facebook and Instagram primarily as my places for marketing, like I really haven't gone elsewhere, like um, other than maybe word of mouth, just through telling people, hey, this is what I'm doing. Um, Instagram and Facebook has been the traction for mm-hmm. uh, traffic, really. Um, mm-hmm. You know, knowing how to battle the algorithm. You know, the algorithm change. Everybody's ah, everybody's so <laughs> mad at the algorithm. It changes every year or something like that. But I think once you kind of understand, you know, what is going to push your content to um, the people that need to see it or the new people that need to see it, um, people can become really, really successful with marketing their stuff just through social media. Absolutely, I agree. Um, and I was thinking about this just recently, how when I first started out on social media, I was posting my work, nobody was seeing it, I was using hashtags, nobody was seeing it. The algorithms change, and it definitely takes some work, but it takes, it's, it's your own experience, and you kind of having to tweak things a bit, customize, do whatever you can, but um, that really helps um, you and the algorithm. Of course, posting daily, or posting very often will get you more views, but there are many people whose art practice doesn't really allow us in that. Um, so I definitely think that's that's true. And social media marketing is, especially for me, imperative to making any online sales. I would have no sales whatsoever if I hadn't had Facebook and Instagram primarily. I also use oh, Twitter, but yeah. I think Instagram primarily has been the main source that has driven people to my store, um, which is interesting because there's many things people can complain about with Instagram, but Instagram in particular does not allow like hyperlinks in their posts, which makes it difficult for people to try to find your work. You only mm-hmm. have a little link in your bio, so you have to click on that. But um, Instagram still, above all that, Instagram has been the main source for many people on social media finding my work and buying from me, um, without a doubt. Social media marketing is, um, is immense for anybody who, especially in the digital age, wants to sell anything. But even more important in social media is photography. Like you have to have good pictures of your stuff. Mm-hmm. Even if you just have like, um, I've started moving from taking photos of some things and just doing like, digital renders like um just the jpeg put a little uh like a little white square around it or like the fake print trim and then put a little bit of um stroke behind it so with a little shadow yeah just that something something some sort of like render of full capacity it's so important for people to buy your work like uh-huh. you can tell me i have really good stuff um it looks really good but if you send me a photo take on the iphone one and um in the dark in the closet <laughs> It's not, I'm not going to want to buy it from you. I'm really not. Even if your work is great. So yeah. taking good so photos. Out right now. <laughs> I'm not an iPhone user, so I can say that. But it's like, it's so important to have good photos of your work. Above all, especially on social media, because that's where people on the apps like Instagram, which are very photo first, photo heavy, um, you need to have good photos of your products. Um, yeah. And especially when it comes to photo, that we can get to photo manipulation, stuff like that. But even if you have to bump saturation up, just to make it look appealing or something or make it look realistic. It's so important to have good photos so that people can know what this item looks like and they can invest in that. And I think utilizing how to, um, I know a lot of people like hear the term photography or stuff like that and they automatically think, oh my God, I need to buy a camera and lights and all of this stuff to make it look mm-hmm. good. You, you don't need that. Um, the, the, the continuation of the, the 
updates on the cameras and stuff that are continually coming out on uh, just phone cameras and stuff like that are um, phenomenal. Like I have the iPhone 11 Pro or something and um, I can shoot 4K video on that phone. Not necessarily that like I would use that particularly for marketing, but like that just kind of goes to show that you have the capacity to take really good photos and to take at least photos that are good enough for Instagram from the thing that you have in your pocket all the time. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, I utilize YouTube religiously. Like it's it's probably scary um, how much I have actually learned on YouTube. Sometimes I tell people that I go to YouTube university because um, <laughs> I, I've actually learned everything that I know about cinematography, anything that I know about photo manipulation or photography or um, anything like that, even just specific to like mobile photography. I've learned it all through YouTube. Um, just reading and watching all of these other people just show what they do um, has helped a lot. So all of my pictures, even my self-portraits that I do um, on my Instagram are all taken with my iPhone and are edited in Lightroom mobile. You know, I never really touch a computer. So it doesn't necessarily have to be this really daunting task of being like, oh, I need you know, lights and I need to really go all in for this picture. You, you really don't. Just as long as you have decent enough lighting and your background is relatively clear and you are showcasing exactly what you want to showcase within the photo, you know, you're going to, you're going to have great content. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's one thing to kind of, you know, take, take into account. And another CPL plug. Uh, we do well, yeah, have we, you don't have we've got that sweet sweet camera yeah and if you've got like and i with we, one of the things we're working on in the background with um uh circulation is we recognize that people aren't checking out cameras to do video anymore because they can do it with their phone mm-hmm. better than we can with our cameras that we purchased in 2009 surprise so we're mm. piecing, piecing together the things you really need to take good photos are a halfway decent tripod and some form of lighting like if you can hold your camera phone or your phone super steady, your pictures are beautiful, especially yeah. with newer phones. And they're mm-hmm. better. Like yes, DSLRs are really nice for the lenses uh, and the capacity to do some like key like uh, shifting with like uh, blurring backgrounds. But guess what? You can do that by just editing the photo after the fact now. Anyway, hell, I think mm-hmm. I, I, iPhone and the pic, Google Pixel and I think the most recent um, Samsung all have that as part of the camera settings as soon as it's done. Yes. Yeah. So if you if you need additional lighting, that's where the CPO can come in. Like, hey, I've got this piece that my home lighting is kind of goofy or we can show you how to get good home lighting with lamps and like white paper or foam core. Super, super simple. But if you really want to get in on it, like, hey, I'm doing like in my case, like the dice or the little resin prints that we've got. Those are really hard to photograph in my studio, but bringing it into the CPL where I can get three different points of lighting and a really soft black background, that's that's where that that sold real well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, having the ability to just beef up your lighting and maybe clear out your space does amazing work. Um, as somebody who is not really a photographer um, and who um, also has somewhat updated Samsung phones. I mean, I have the best cameras 
um, I was still able to take photos of my products. Um, I was still able to just take photos in general and do good work with that. Um, and if we're talking about editing, stuff like that, I love using photo editing programs. Um, I use an app called InShot, which I'm sure some people are familiar with because people who like to edit videos will leave the little watermark in their videos on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. It's um, a really cool program. Um, you can, they are constantly updating it and adding new touches and new things that you can customize with. Um, there are some paid features, but for the most part, just the free stuff on its own is amazingly useful, um, allowing you to crop photos or um, resize photos to like, you know, one by one ratio to fit like Instagram, like your little squares and everything. Um, that and using on iPad, you can just pay for it like all in one and have like premium features for like the rest of your life. And it's a really, really great um, editing option if you don't want to invest in like Adobe products. Yeah, I would. I would definitely agree there. Another app that you can use, I don't know if it's called Snapseed. Um, that one is uh, for photography. Um, and that one also has a really robust infrastructure, which is very comparable to Lightroom Mobile. And it's it's free. They have a ton of tools there. So um, even if you don't have a Adobe subscription or uh, anything like that, there are alternatives on the app store that you can use if you're just do uh purely doing things on your phone absolutely yeah and actually that that might be a good place to say that i think we should save something like uh we i'm really happy we didn't get into the specifics of how to deal with software this time um if if that's makes any sense because i think yeah. that would make a good like backup to hey how do you do or how do you prep stuff in Photoshop or uh, Fire Alpaca or any of these apps that were just mentioned mm -hmm. in preparation for it? That that's that's deep techno stuff that'd be happy to do another time. I, mm -hmm. I think what we've got here uh, in terms of focusing on the business tactics of just being a practicing artist, that's one hell of an episode from from you two. I would agree. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Cool. And because I'm 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 getting a little hungry. And we uh, this is a uh, Sean. <laughs> How many gigabytes is what? it on your recording? Uh, like 1.6. Okay, cool. We are at Sean's over a gig warning. Oh, so, it's, it was over a gig like 30 minutes ago. Sweet. That <laughs> means yeah, that means we got we got triple the episode capacity, which I love. Okay, so I'm gonna get us towards closing it out, so we can come back and do that technical episode. I think either next time or one in the very near future, as soon as we're able to do it. Um, okay. Heck, even if we've got time this week, I think that'd be a good opportunity to just be like, look, let's just crash through three or four episodes of material and then push them out week by week by week and then like have it ready to go. Cool. Mm -hmm. um, so my thing is to push everyone towards the end, the big digital project that bridged into the physical space and to talk about it. And I will start to give you a kind of overview. So I sent you all the picture of the painting and I'm not gonna mention the specific subject on there because I, I don't know when this will go live versus when the gift itself will be given. But a friend of mine wanted um, a painting made uh, and had sent me some photos of the subjects that they wanted in, in it. And then over the course in between, we had agreed on a price, um, the time frame changed and they wanted more subjects added to it. Uh, so my solution um, with the time frame change and trying to keep it viable from a time perspective on me was what I did was, was pull what I needed from the subject photos themselves 
into Photoshop to get rid of backgrounds um, and then exported them as flat digitals, uh, PNGs, so I could use them inside of Procreate. <coughs> and yeah. inside mm -hmm. of Procreate, uh, I manipulated them to kind of like get a little bit more uh, dysmorphic so they didn't look like I just chopped out photos and then and then just like put a, put a filter on them. So I, I, I edited the structure of the image and then hand painted it digitally in Procreate first. Exported it back to Photoshop to the physical size I needed because Procreate, yes, it has a size and it works really well. And we'll go into that probably in our in that technical episode. But prep it for what I had built was it's actually you remember all those cheapo art kits that you get as a kid when you're like, yeah. oh, you family love <laughs> here. Here's the cheapest markers and three actual yeah. good rose art art kits. Oh, so dry. Yeah. Well, yeah. I have had one of those since like 2008 that I was like, you know what? This would be a really good like diptych painting. Um, and there's like, oh my God, this would be perfect. I'm going to print my digital painting and decoupage it into that case, then yeah. go over it with actual oils and varnish to further push the actual painting of it. Charles? So that, yeah. Well, you, you just used a term there that I've never heard before. Decoupage? Yeah. Oh, uh, have you heard of the product called Mod Podge? I know what Mod Podge is. So all, mm -hmm. all, all Mod Podge is... is well, but uh, other people it, might not. Explain so what Mod Podge is. Mod Podge is it's, it's uh, glue with water in it. Yes. Yeah, it's it's, oh. it's 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 yeah. That's Watery what Mod Podge is. It's it's what it's watered down glue intended to take multiple layers of um, flat goods, usually paper, and then adhere them to a surface, and then seal the top so you can do other stuff to them. So it's it's collaging, right? Um, the the cool stuff about Mod Podge is that you can get it in different like matte finish, super gloss, super thick, super hard. They've got different formulations of the plastic that's in there. But I just wanted something that I could know that I could use my I could paint so much faster digitally, um, and with the brush sets and other work that I've got, that it it looks and feels very similar to my usual painting practices. But I needed to speed up so much for to hit the time frame and the extra amount of work they wanted. So I painted it digitally, put it out, mod podged it, decoupaged it onto the board. What's decoupage? Uh, just putting the paper down and then putting the Mod Podge under it and over it to seal it. Okay. So that mm. way, uh, the paper that I had printed it on, it's an archival acid-free paper, so I know it'll seal well in an, with an acrylic base and then go over and do my usual oil-based finishes where I'm doing my highlights, um, uh, edge seals, blending, some, some soft brush work over the top of it. But as opposed to it taking me, particularly for the size of it, six to eight months to do a painting like this mm -hmm. um, with the digital composite structure that I did. And it, it let me get it done in, uh, I'd say, three weeks. Wow. Mm. So, yeah, yeah that, that's where it, and Tiana, you had commented like that. I thought that was a photo uh, in if from photos far away. It does have that like photo quality look, but up close. I think I managed to get that very good physical oil brush strokes, especially if you can see it from the like just basic room lighting. It's got that nice thick impasto. And oh, I'll have to define that for Sean. Impasto is Please. when you use thick paint 
um, with a brush or a knife and it leaves a 3D structure uh, on the surface of the painting, right? Mm -hmm. I know what that um, looks like. I didn't know that, that yeah. it was called some pasta name. Yeah, because there's, there's one thing. And, and that's pasta. Yeah, there, there, there's, uh, there's like services online. You send them uh, a photo and then they will do like three Photoshop filters to it sublimation print it onto a canvas and it looks like a painting right yeah sort of but it's really mm. flat they they tend to be really flat other than the texture the digital texture and the texture of the the the, the canvas it's printed on right. maybe maybe they will put some clear thing over it that doesn't actually match up to the brush strokes in any way um i wanted to make sure that it looked and felt and was because I just I it's the same process of painting but digitally right right uh, I I know there's people going to be like because uh, you may have faced it in the past of oh you use a computer to make your art uh that's cheating it's like no mm -hmm. no it's not uh I'm able to get a client exactly what they want by pairing up my physical printing capacity with my digital practices and all of the practicum art that I've done over the years into like a singular thing. And that's where the experience of recognizing what I needed to print, I needed to print on archival paper that was acid free, that could take a decoupage, and then using my experience with oils to expand it into what is really like a multimedia um, painting thing that, that, that looks very, very nice and cut out almost 80% of the time frame of the project itself. So there's my project that I did that I was like, I wanted to, I really wanted to tell people about this. Um, mm. That really mapped over to what you're all talking about. It's like, look, how do you, how can you become a working artist um, and do it? It yes, there's becoming a very well-practiced oil artist is one thing. Um, having a full-time job and uh, hosting a debate tournament and, um, <laughs> <laughs> having a life and trying to make at least a little bit of money on the side didn't necessarily allow me to engage in traditional studio practices so digital studio practices for my artwork gone to printing and combined back again with traditional art stuff um is it is another possibility to kind of see how you good digital to print practices can kind of reinteract with very traditional artwork. So that's my project that I want to tell folks about. Um, I'll start with mine. And um, yeah, <clears throat> mine was actually really interesting. I was trying to rack my brain to come up with an idea, but um, so last summer, no, 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 fall, summer-ish, um, was a long project. I was lead artist on a project called We Drive Middle Spaces which was a billboard series across North Omaha that featured like LGBT, um, Black Indigenous people of color here in Omaha. And my project was, this was probably my, the, the, well, first off, it was literally the largest project I've ever done, like both digitally and physically, because they were literally billboards. <laughs> this is coming from somebody who mostly posts squares on Instagram and who mostly does like eight and a half by lesson artwork. It was really interesting having to do this project because I was essentially having to reimagine my digital work in a completely different physical space. Mm -hmm. um, so this, this involves me, I don't use a lot of the Adobe Suite as much as I used to. Um, as far as drawing and illustration, I prefer a program called um, Clip Studio Paint. And I do a lot of drawing in there, but I really, really like Photoshop because 
um, one thing they offer that a lot of people do not is art boards. Um, and that was a newer addition, I think, with a 2020 or 2021 update of Photoshop. They have art board now, similar to like Illustrator. And yeah, it, um, this, yeah. this project allowed me to essentially put all those billboard illustrations that are roughly all the same size onto one art board. So I can see all of them at the same time, work all and on all of them at the same time. But with the PSD file being kind of a very typical file illustration programs, a lot of them will export and import and allow you to edit PSD. So Photoshop native files, um, I was able to create artboards from artworks and Photoshop, and then take them into Clip Studio Paint and actually illustrate them and color them and do everything um, in CMYK. And then so I'm typically working RGB. So this time it was in CMYK and then go back into Photoshop and then create the files, export them as you know, JPEGs, PNGs, and the Photoshop file itself so that the billboard company Lamar could print them. And then they were able to blow them up like a, what was it? I think it would have been 300 DPI. It wasn't even extremely high DPI or anything. Just take a file that was not even a huge size and then print them to, I don't even know how big billboards are like in physical space. I mean, you see them, you know what they look like, but um, just to a gigantic size. And that was an interesting project for me, just being able to realize, um, me as a digital artist, realize my mostly digital work that exists on screens in a gigantic physical space. That, mm -hmm. That's awesome. And for, one was down the street from my house originally, and then that was, that was great to see uh, that transition from, like you said, seeing your stuff on Instagram and then like driving past this, uh, what, 45 foot wide mm -hmm. was, was really, really cool. And being like, hey, I know who did that. <laughs> so. Yeah, I am, I'm not sure if I've uh, hmm, really run into a, a project that kind of had a little bit of like a, a printing hiccup, but um I think just in terms of kind of like my uh, like graphic design work and stuff that I do, um, kind of like what Tiana said, like trying to reimagine that as being, you know, printed on different things or um, for the purpose of that. I think maybe screen printing might be kind of one thing that I've kind of noticed has <laughs> required a lot of a little bit of a mental shift, I think, in just kind of the way that I think about um, my design and my artwork and stuff like that, because screen printing is um, where you take different sections of uh, the artwork and you layer the different inks um, on top of each other based off of, like, you have different screens for every color that you use. Um, so I think when I was, I was in my, um, I actually took a screen printing class at UNO. Um, it was it was kind of hard for me to switch my mindset, I think a little bit about kind of, okay, um, this shape and this shape need to be this color. So they need to be on the same screen, but that would be different from, I guess, what you would think in your head on where it would go and stuff like that. So there's been, mm -hmm. a, there's been kind of a, a lot of different things. And I think just from exploring that a little bit has kind of helped in um, understanding like shape bases and stuff like that in my own graphic design work. And I'm hoping that I can explore a little bit more with um, screen printing on fabric and stuff like that too. But I guess that would probably be my big project where I needed to kind of 
think about printing processes and stuff like that but yeah sweet yeah because I, I, I would really dig to see some of your um like hand inks uh especially I, I just I could fall back on your elephants and stuff mm -hmm. seeing those on like a large textured cloth or as a screen print uh or even if you did it yourself where it's like you've got your black screen for your ink with different shapes of different colors behind it mm -hmm. so you can do different runs I, I i would love to see something like that as a from a from both a product basis and like an artistic practice basis yeah or even just like laser cutting those that's been kind of one thing that i've been like thinking about too another cpl plug um laser cutting <laughs> but um just like since i work primarily in black and white you know seeing what what kind of detail i guess the the laser cutter could um you know capture and and how you know um you know how accurate of a recreation of like my stroke marks and stuff like that could come out of uh something like that is probably definitely something that i want to experiment with later yeah and that th that i was a full episode that i really wanted to do um because yeah. Yeah, the, the, the only limitation when it comes to that spe the specific laser we have is quite literally the size of the laser position itself. Mm -hmm. That's it. That, that's the, limit, the limitation. And then how it interacts with the material you chose. If you choose a good material and you've got good digital artwork, boom, it's ready to go. Yeah. I, I love lasers so much. Just so much. <laughs> so do I. So do I. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, I'm not sure if Sean is back yet. I think he's on, he's on mute. Uh, he is on mute. I think he had to go move a vehicle yeah. for the snow plows. More oh, snow. Man. More snow. Oh man. I, I, yeah, it was That's like, well, it, it eight inches over a night. Oh, he's really? Back. Oh, we want. I'm back. Cool. John. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so yeah, it was supposed to give us like well half inch to one inch of dusting. No, dude, my my trees are bending over in my backyard. It's wet and heavy. Yeah. Mm, welcome back, Sean. Wet and heavy. Wet and heavy. So, uh, did you have to go move a car or something to, for the yeah. snow? Good. Well, my I I shoveled earlier and moved all the cars into the driveway so the uh, plow doesn't have to go around them and miss areas on the street. But somebody was leaving, so I had to pull a car out into the street and then pull it back in. Wow, you the the real trek. I know, true hero. No, not really. <laughs> well, uh, now that you're back, Sean, is 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 there a uh, project that has kind of you've done you've bridged between digital and physical printing that you want to talk about or printing, um, or or just like bridging because I know like we a couple options that I know were there was like um the Sean approved stickers were yeah. a really good one, um, yeah. So I guess I could talk about those because uh, what I did for that. So I made these stickers that were that I got the Sean approved stickers. So I literally just uh, posed in front of the green screen and just had took a picture of me standing there smiling all goofy with my thumb up in the air. Um, and I took a picture of it. And then I took that picture, like the picture of me standing there. And I brought it into Illustrator and I inked over it on Illustrator and put a background on it and then made it into like a sticker that says Sean approved survivable. And it has a whole bunch of like disasters going on in the background. Uh, and, uh, and then printed them back off onto stickers. That's fun. 
Yeah, and, that, and, that, and we did. We, yeah, we did all that inside the CPL too. I think yeah. that was we did that as an excuse to test um, making like kiss, <laughs> like kiss cut sticker sheets um, and die cut stickers with the cricket that we did. That, yeah, that was one. Yeah, of the that first was tests. That was the, one of the of first the tests we did with the cricket um, and the Epson and the Inco take that we got. Uh, it was like just. I mean, we had the time to do it, and so I just I worked on it at work and just did it inked over it in illustrator and then threw it onto the cricket and uh we turned it off a couple of different types of stickers i can i can see the sticker on my girlfriend's laptop right now she's sitting there (laughs) on her laptop and there's a sean approved survivable sticker on it so that laptop has officially survived you sean yeah it survived me yes great okay i think that that's a good transition into let's be done for a bit how's that sound that sounds nice. Nice, yeah, because uh, I think I gotta go scoop some snow and um, cry myself to sleep. It's very heavy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking forward to it, uh, but it's got to be done. Yes, uh, yes, okay. it does. So, um, for, I'm just gonna let everybody say that that this was our episode on honestly about surviving as an artist more than anything else, and some sweet business practices. Uh, we simped pretty hard for like 19 different websites, which I'm loving. Uh, maybe they'll give us a sponsorship. Sponsor me, please. Sponsor Pirate ship, I love you. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Tiana and Shelby, please use your outro to um, give us a little hint on where we should go to check out your stuff. That oh, would be yeah. great. So uh, I'm I'm going to bounce off. So this is Charles signing off. I'm going to hand it off to everybody else. Shelby, give us your <laughs> outro but, while, while the microphone is still good. Then. While I have the microphone still working. Yeah. Um, my name is Shelby. And uh, yeah, this was this was really fun. I hope you guys learned some new about business practices. You can find my work um, and my cool stuff that I talked about today at shelbyzivney.com. And then um, I do all of my advertising through Instagram, which is at Shelby Zivney, all one word. How do you spell that? Oh, my last name is Z-I-V-N-Y. It's very Czech, very Czech. Mm -hmm. Um, And if y'all want to find my work, you can go to my website, um, my portfolio, my shop, and everything else about me there, tianaconyersart.com. So T-I-A-N-A-C-O-N-Y-E-R-S art.com. Um, I have a shop there. You can buy prints from me and stickers. I plan to update this year more with like a lot more products, hopefully some keychains and other sort of die cut stuff. Um, and you can find my social media. I'm on you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, Tumblr, unfortunately, at Tiana Conyers Art. So you can find me all those places, only those places. Uh, I'm, I'm Sean. This has been the longest audition recording that has zero talking in it uh, ever. Um. <laughs> oh yeah, you recorded just yourself into audition, and you say most of yeah. it. I love it. It's just, it's just a lot of silence. It's like a, like a two gig file of just me not talking. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. People gave a lot of really good information, and it was nice to listen to. Per usual, uh, you can check us out on Instagram of UNO Library CPL. Or the library website of library.unomaha.edu or email us directly from the contact info on this podcast. So thanks again for listening and we will see y'all later. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to the Creative Production Lab. 
from University of Nebraska at Omaha's Chris Library. I'm your host, Charles Fisher, and we'll see you again soon.